Hello, this podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy. Now Alchemy is an amazing company that has formulated the most powerful substance in our body that was taken way back in the Egyptian era known as the food of the gods. Not only does it bring in balance, happiness, and increase your intuition, it decalcifies your pineal gland, which opens up your third eye and increases your light body, allowing your consciousness and your awareness to be open and aware of everything that is going on. The high-level mineral source, which we need today on our planet, is so important. With the fact that the earth itself has been overturned so many times with all of the farming industries, that we do not have access to the rich ormus that is available in this planet. And thanks to now alchemy, we do. We now have the sustenance that our body needs that is brought in from the Himalayan mountains and the Dead Sea. Ormus, which is powerful energy source that moves through your body and brings together a whole synthesis of information to every part of your body. By bringing this mineral source, you are nourishing your body at a cellular level. I love the company for what it stands for and its ethics. And it has been a sponsor of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast since the beginning. And that's why I always ask the tribe to support the sponsors who are sponsoring this show because I go through each of the sponsors with strong ethics and integrity to make sure that whatever they are bringing forth is in align to the planet and into you and for all of us so that we can grow and have health and wellness in our lives. Ormus's company spends a lot of time with advanced scientists, naturopaths, and doctors and herbalists to formulate a sourcing technique that brings in the highest quality of organic ingredients from the most mysterious and desolate countries in order to bring the magic in the bottle, which is Ormus. Now alchemy is not just for health and wellness community, but for all people seeking to become their greatest version of themselves. And I've been taking this product for many months, and it has been such an addition to my shamanic love that I bring to the world. And how I bring love into the lives of people is by keeping myself healthy and happy and lifted and shifted. By bringing the highest source of minerals in my body, I am able to hold a high vibration of energy and light when doing healing work or when I'm speaking to large groups of people and when I'm here lit and doing Ancient Wisdom Today podcasts. So I invite you to experience the amazingness of Ormus. They have so many powerful selections that you can choose from, from 24 karat gold Ormus to Shilajit to nano-enhanced CBD to Elysium, each bringing a different blend of energy to your body. And I honestly say that this company is really changing the lives of people. Ever since I've mentioned them and shared them with all of the people in the tribe, I've been getting letters and letters of people's lives that have been changing. And not to mention the fact that those who have had suffered so many times from PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, confusion, fog brain, and all of these other symptoms that have been plaguing us because of the onslaught of aggressive energies on our planet, by taking Ormus, these things are cleared, neutralized, and allowing you to have more balance and groundedness in who you are, as well as enhancing your mind so that you're able to think clearly and have a stronger focus. You can get Ormus by contacting www.nowalchemy.com. 
www.nowalchemy.com. That's www.nowalchemy.com. And if you use the code SHAMAN, you'll get 11% off every purchase you make. I'm so happy, tribe, that we are putting beautiful things in our body because putting beautiful things in our body is putting beautiful things in our mind and our spirit. And that allows us to shine and radiate our truth in this world as leaders. I love you. Enjoy the share. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you, you are something magnificent. You are really, truly special, and I love you so much. And I'm really glad that you came, that you made the decision when you were in heaven to choose to come to earth and share in the love and the beauty that we all have together. Because that's what being in the tribe's about. Each and every one of you brings something completely different that no one can bring. And that is what makes you sacred and honorable. And that is so important for you to always think about, is that you matter. That means all the powers in the universe thought of you because they knew that whatever you represent and however you choose to shine that is exactly what this planet needs so thank you for coming i love you i'm really really excited how the tribe is thriving and how we are really stepping into this this beautiful nature of spirit when it comes to health and wellness and spiritual immunity as we begin to embark upon new information and just really open ourselves up to other people's tribes of thought and idea, we expand and we illuminate and we begin to, to magnify the possibility of change on planet Earth. And one of the friends of mine who are in studio right now, she is a pioneer in that department when it comes to truly stepping into your purpose with playful spirit and an open heart. It is my friend, Ruby Warrington. She is a British writer and a thought leader. And not just to let you know, when I say, you know, she's just a British writer and a thought leader, she is more than that. She is a woman who believes in people and believes that we have the ability to change and all we need is just a little nudge in the right direction. In 2012, she launched the new, um, the Numinous, which is an amazing cosmic lifestyle platform that updates all things new age for the life of the now age. Ruby also works as a consultant, and she has written an amazing book uh, called Material Girl, Mystical World. And if you haven't got that book that she wrote, it's something amazing. I had it on my shelf, and a girlfriend came over, and she took it, and I was like, 
Where is my book? Now she's come out with a new book, an amazing book, a book that this tribe needs to have. It's called Sober Curious. And let me just explain to you the understanding. Sober Curious reveals the enormous benefits that come from unlearning the mindless habits of drinking and embracing a life-enhancing choice of sobriety. To have greater joy, clarity, confidence, and connection. And what is that I always talk about in our tribe? Connection. Building community, connecting with other people is how we're going to thrive. It's how we're going to stay alive. And it is how we're going to shine brighter and brighter while being on earth. So I'm so honored. Ruby is a dear friend of mine. She's a soul sister. She's a kindred spirit. She's playful. She's fun. She's lively. She's real. And she's dope as fuck. I would like to welcome her. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you so much. That's like the best intro I think I ever had, ever. Can you just like come intro me wherever I go, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank no, you. I, I mean, it's it's all true. It's like, you know, for me to to share you, you know, I remember the first time I met you and I looked at you and <laughs> listened to you and connected with you. And I was like, oh. Hi. Hi. It's good to see you again. Mm -hmm. This is great. Same. Same. We were in Croatia at that amazing island festival. Yeah. Which I actually write about in this book. Wow. We hosted a sober, although we didn't bill it that way, new moon kind of ritual rave. It it happened. That week. That was mind-blowing. That was a real turning point for me, actually. I think it was one of the first times that I truly like let loose and danced like wildly, like wildly with abandon, danced myself into ecstasy without any alcohol in the system at all. And it was just like so liberating. And everyone I really, did. Everyone did. People were coming up to us all night, weren't they? Like, yep. I can't believe I haven't had any alcohol. I feel amazing. It was really special. I, yeah, so I've written about that in the book. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know, it's, uh, it's something special because what I love about you is that you really look at the, the things that are holding us back, mm. you know, where we make it hard in our lives, where we make it so difficult and we get caught up in, well, I can't do those things because it's just so difficult. So I'm just going to keep doing the same old, same old. And what you've done with your other book and now this one is you really bring about that that relative quality that we all share where it's like, yeah, we've all been there, you know, Mm. and to be able to bring that forth in a way that's fun and playful because that's your personality. Mm -hmm. Of course, the way the last book was when it was super pink and this one is like now (laughs) the blue with all the dots. It's just, you know, just something great. They say like, I don't have any kids and they kind of say that, you know, your books are like your babies. I'm like, I've got a pink one and a blue one. (laughs) 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 I only just thought about it that way. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) So tell us, what what is the thing that you feel right now in the world when it comes to people, you know, intoxicating themselves with alcohol and so forth? What, what, you know, because I mean, even me living in in England, Mm. that was something that was really challenging for me Mm. because, you know, I would, you know, go out with my friends and everyone is drinking in the pubs. Mm -hmm. Everyone is drinking at the Soho house. Everyone's Mm. drinking at, you know, at the uh, Chilton firehouse. Mm. You know, there's, there was never a moment where no one around me was sober but me. Mm. And then we would go to, even in Ibiza, we'd go Mm. out, everyone is completely smashed, you know, just tankered and like doing all types of things. And I was the only one with a bottle of water and an avocado. (laughs) 
I love it. An avocado for sustenance. Yeah. Everyone's like, they're like, you're going to, you know, maybe you should stay home because, you know, we're going to stay out till late. I'm like, maybe you should just see how it goes. And it was a funny thing because everyone was sitting in the chill room or in behind the DJ booth and just laying out. And I was the person who was still dancing mm. and they couldn't understand mm. how. And I was mm. like, an avocado. And my MTC and a, and a <laughs> bottle of charged water with intention of energy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you touched on a few things there, right? The first thing, I'm British. I grew up in the UK. Drinking culture there is just like so, so deeply ingrained in the way of life that it is absolutely abnormal to not drink. There's literally no choice as a young adult, even younger than that, like as a human growing up in that environment to not engage with the dominant drinking culture. Unless you get to a point where your drinking has got quote unquote so bad that you're at a rock bottom that you now must abstain completely because you're an alcoholic and you're you're diseased and you're addicted and that's like it's either one or the other right um and i think a big thing of what i wanted to do with this book was go hey actually you can choose whether you want to engage in that or not like it's not a given society teaches us that it's a given the marketing messages of alcohol industry which spend billions of dollars a year convincing us that we need to engage with this drinking culture. You don't have to do that. You can disrupt that. You can make your own choice and you can, yeah, decide whether you want to engage or not. So that's a big message of the book. And the other thing, yeah, well, a couple of other things that your story brought up is like, is it is your it kind of goes against our biology, right? To mark ourselves as an outsider, to be the only one at the party not doing the thing that everyone's doing. So it can be very fear-inducing if you decide you want to take it out of your life. And yet everywhere you look around you, whether it's in your friendship group, your family, or just in society at large, everyone else is drinking. And so another thing I wanted to do was create, like you said, community around this, allow people, give people the permission to begin to question that together so we don't feel like we're the only one or the only weirdo with the avocado at the party like when everyone else is drinking because <laughs> that is genuinely scary like our biology is saying fit in conform like be light do what everyone else is doing which can often lead to negative consequences for us right so yeah a couple of really important things there and then the the other one as well is like yeah we have this perception that alcohol is what fuels the fun and what keeps us going in social situations but if we've never had an, an experience of not drinking in those situations how do we even know that's the case and i challenge anyone listening to experiences you have and as i have and as i described about that like croatia situation actually when i go out and i'm not drinking now i find i have more energy I'm more clear-headed. I don't get tired so easily. I don't get sloppy. I'm not falling over by the end of the night. And the next day, I feel great too. It's mm -hmm. like win-win, it. you know? And yeah, there are probably, I probably, I, I engage in fewer social situations because I'm naturally quite introverted. Um, so I'm probably going out less than I used to, but the ones I do, the one I choose to go out, I just have equally, if not more good of a time not drinking, which is not something I was trained to believe would be the case. Because like I said, we get these messages bombarding us from like the time we're kids even, that alcohol means fun, alcohol means relaxation, alcohol means connection, alcohol means fabulousness, alcohol means glamour. And it's, it's, just, a, it's just a message. It's not the truth for everybody. I would argue that it's, um, yeah, the opposite of the truth sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I have been giving a lot of thought to this since mm. I got your book from my publicist. And, you know, one of the things that 
I was thinking about was why is alcohol? Because in shamanism, alcohol is called spirits, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah, we call it spirits. Like liquor is called spirits. Yeah, right. And the the re, the association of alcohol was used as an alchemy in the dark ages by alchemists to uh, intoxicate someone enough to pull a spirit from their body or to use their body as a portal to see what spirits will come through and then question them. And so what I find very fascinating is, you know, the system that we live in, right, makes and glamorizes alcohol as this sexy, hot thing. I mean, you'll see people, pictures of people drinking on, you see commercials come on where everyone's like Corona and everyone's dancing and partying on the beach. And like, it's almost like you can't go out in society unless you partake of some, you know, alcoholic substance Mm. in your system. What's interesting about it is the effects that it has on the body it brings your brain cells into dormant form. Now in shamanism, that's a very not good place to be because your body reads synthesis. So your body is communicating and it needs to have the highest level of communication. Also with your mitochondria, you know, staying, when I tell the tribe, stay lit, staying lit is also about keeping those energy pathways open so that you're aware of the messages that spirit has. Like spirit may say to you, hey, there's an earthquake coming or get out of this house or there's someone who is a terrorist is coming. We need to access all the different pathways of information that spirit is sending us. And when we drink, we dull those senses down. And, and the thing is, it doesn't fully recover mm. until you don't drink for a long period of mm. time because it takes time for your body to heal. You can take milk thistle so you can get rid of your, your hangover so you, don't, so you can fix your liver and so forth. But I, I know one guy taught him about milk thistle and now he carries it every time. He drinks all the time. He's like, well, I take my milk thistle. Okay, that's great. But still, you're dulling down certain aspects of your brain and we want to open up those access. So it's interesting how this world is doing that. And you know, my thought about that is, Ruby, my love, is that we don't have emotional intelligence mm-hmm. on planet Earth mm-hmm. and the system <clears throat> knows they never taught it to us. Mm-hmm. And so instead of us demanding that we have emotional intelligence uh, facilities that teach us how to tap back into our emotions and our, our, our empathic abilities and all of these different senses that we have that are so many to list, they go, oh, you know what? They're going to have a meltdown eventually. Because we have take, we have we put all this pressure on them for survival, we inundate them with consumerism, and we've taken away their emotional intelligence, which is only a matter of time before they all snap and start going crazy and so and killing each other. And then we can medicate them with all of these drugs that they pay a fortune for. That are yeah, exactly. So, what do you think about that? I knew we would get super deep fast on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Everyone else is asking me like, so what's it like to socialize sober? And like, oh, how's it going to affect my dating life? And you're like, right, this, let's get real. <laughs> yeah, not even into that. <laughs> but no, so I mean, I think that that emotional intelligence piece is so important. I think we've been taught by our society that we don't have the capacity to handle our bigger emotions. They're too frightening. They're too scary. They're too unpredictable and uncontrollable. And yet our emotions, I believe, are like the senses of our soul. They're literally how our soul is speaking to us. Our emotions are there to help us make the decisions that are in alignment with our highest truth, with what we're here to do in the world, what we're here to contribute to society. 
And a lot of the time, yeah, those those feelings can, those emotions can feel big and scary and urgent. And that's because we have urgent things to do in the world. And yet the system teaches us to dull all of that down so that we stay in this nice, safe, secure, stable kind of like rut. We don't rock the boat. We don't try and do anything outrageous. We don't try and like pursue our most amazing life, right? We stick to going to nine to five, like getting our salary, being satisfied with that because, hey, that helps us buy more things to make us feel better about ourselves because we're out of touch with our true joy and our true bliss also as a result of the numbing. So yeah, I think this is a really huge, important piece. And ultimately, this is a book about how to recover your emotional intelligence and how to really like own your own capacity and resilience for confronting some of the harder things in life and to know that Confronting those things is how you're going to grow. You're going to realize how powerful you are. You're going to be able to really not change not only your life, but you're going to have an impact, positive impact on all of the people that you're interacting with. All those people will now have a positive impact on all the people that they're interacting with. And slowly but surely, we break out of these very narrowly defined lifestyles that have been drawn for us by the system that we live in. So yeah, I think that's a really huge, important piece and I'm really happy we went straight there. And I also want to hear more about, because we spoke about this briefly on the phone when I was writing the book, the idea that alcohol, like the more kind of spiritual piece, right? Alcohol is a substance that literally abdicates our spirit from our body so that other spirits can kind of enter and interact Mm -hmm. with us. I think that's just so creepy. But I think that anyone potentially who's had like a blackout from drinking, who's like, what the fuck happened? Wakes up the next day. What did I say? Like, what are all these texts I sent? To me, that kind of... It helps to explain those mm-hmm. those scenarios in a way, you know, whether you're someone who, I mean, you're listening to Sharon Durek's podcast, you believe this stuff, right? I'm sure whether you're someone who believes in the kind of spiritual aspect or whether there's a more scientific, quote unquote, explanation mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. like you were saying, the way that alcohol it shuts down our ability to form short-term memories. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a mystical well, affects, kind of element of that. It affects your cognitive response. It, mm. it, it dulls down your capacity to recognize um, danger. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your, it dulls your capacity down to recognize other people's emotional um, inputs mm-hmm. and, and outputs that coming from other people. So sensorium, the ability to feel beyond feeling. So you become um, numb and feel safe to broadcast whatever you want to broadcast. And a lot of that can lead to, you know, um, making not so many great decisions, such as like getting in the car and driving, Mm -hmm. you know, or like a friend of mine was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can jump off this bridge, you know, because he was like completely drunk and ended up like breaking both of his legs, you know, like just like little things. And even for myself, you know, I used to drink a lot. I was drinking nonstop. I remember my girlfriend used to say to me, do you literally, honey, I think, I just, I think you left your vodka bottle in the shower. <laughs> and I was like, did you move it? And she's like, I just really want you to stop drinking. And I would be drinking like in the morning, pour myself a glass of vodka. I had beers with my friends all afternoon. We'd watch sports, play video games, you know, and my elders and, and a lot of my teachers were like, you you have to realize that you're pulling in a medicine that it can affect your powers mm-hmm. and your ability. If you really want to commit to being the shaman in this lifetime, you're going to need your powers and you're going to need to show people how to access theirs. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get there because this is going to dull it down. You're going to let the system and darkness 
take you down just by what's in this bottle, you know? And I had to really look at that. And I, it was, you know, I became an alcoholic. I remember there a time where mm. I'd wake up in strange places and um, blacked out and didn't know how I got there. And, you know, uh, one time I was naked and someone caught, found me in the street naked and I didn't know how my clothes got taken off. You know, one situation I was in, in New York, for instance, I went to a party and I got so drunk and the, I woke up. And there was a, a girl and a, and a guy and they were doing sexual things to me. And I was completely like, like just belligerently drunk. And I didn't, I blacked out, didn't know all these things were happening. And, you know, I was being molested by, you know, I was saying molested wow. or raped or however you want to yeah. interpret that, Wow. you know, and it, it got worse and worse. And, and, and so you know, for me, I had to make a decision. And what I realized was I was using the alcohol as an escape from the pain that I felt from my abuse in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And so I look at the world and I say, wow, because I get really emotional when I talk about this. And I get emotional even with you right now being here. And what brings the emotion for me is that human beings have really just agreed that it's okay to allow themselves to poison their beautiful temple. Mm. That they let the system find a way to make poison okay for them and not question it or say, oh, the reason why alcohol you can buy in any store and why you can go to a club and everyone's serving you alcohol and the more you buy for your table, you know, the more uh, you look amazing. And mm. You know, I feel it's sad to me because I love to go dancing. I love DJs. Always have since I was a kid when I was into goth and then, you know, and, 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 and the music, how the music changed into house music and all these different things. But the difficult thing for me is like I go and I have to have people blowing poison in my face from their cigarette smokes. They're drinking. They're sloppy. I can't have educated conversations with them. And it's funny because I now am like the PTA mom because when I go out with my friends, I'm the one who sees everything. So I can report back everything they did, even when they're like blacking out. I'm like, oh, no, I can tell you exactly what you did. And it's unfortunate that this is how we as human beings are electing to have, mm. use our free will. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very sad. So my question to you is, you know, what do you feel at the crux of, you know, here we are on planet Earth and the system is really doing everything it can to keep people like bobbleheads and just stupid. You know, what can someone do if they're at that point where they just, that's, that's their lifestyle. They make plans every weekend to go out and drink with their friends because, hey, that's what you do to be socially accepted. What do they do? Well, what did you do? Like you described, I mean, thank you for sharing those experiences. Yeah. It's really powerful and raw. And how did you, what, how did you turn it around? Like, how did you stop? Was it that you felt you had a bit, you knew you had this bigger mission and this bigger calling and that was enough motivation for you to stop drinking? Did you seek professional I went, help? I went to AA. Right. And listening to people's stories made me want to drink more. Hmm. So I was like, and I'm, I, you know, I grew up 
very like skater punk kid, you know, I'm mm. listening to my heavy metal, my mm. rock and roll and like my skateboard, my Rob Roscoe skateboard. And so I have this kind of mentality, like this very like fuck it mentality, you know? And so when I was listening to people like tell their stories at AA, I was like, am I really here right now? Like, you know, <laughs> and then like, I remember like going over to the table and there was like this coffee and they had like all these things. And I was like making myself a cup of coffee, looking for the creamer. And I was holding my cup of coffee and I was just getting like listening to these stories and I started feeling like oh my god I just want to like smack them all in the face mm. you know because mm-hmm. like that's the side that's how my brain was working I was just like I can't believe I'm listening to this dribble and then they're like would you like to share Dirk you know about your experience and this woman's like I've been sober for three months and I got this chip and all this kind of stuff and I'm like yay for your chip you know like <laughs> and then this one guy was there and he's like you know well he's like just remember once an alcoholic always an alcoholic and I was like what And at that point, when I heard him say that, something in me shifted and was like, who the hell are you to tell me that because I drink, if I decide to stop drinking, that I'm always going to be an alcoholic? Mm. It's almost like you're, you're, you're subconsciously programming me to stay in some kind of tribe of, of, of those you know, who cross into that line of some weird sickness that you want me to, to carry as a, as a mark of um, like, you know, why don't you brand me, you know, mm. because that's what I felt. And mm. so I was just like, this is bullshit. And so my friend's like, you should really stay for this i'm like no you stay and i left and i was so upset and i was like i really just need to stop drinking so uh, i was at the time i was working for this guy named um david dr david and he has this place called uh san francisco medical research and the global peace foundation he also has this thing called the mighty i am he's a very interesting guy mm. lives up in the mountains in mount tamopias uh, and i was like i need to stop and he goes here you want to know how you're going to do it mm. and this is like before any of the blue green algae and all this stuff was there was no whole food selling any of these things like he was just like this kind of guy who you know was searching every type of alternative therapy from food to herbs you name it and um he's like you're gonna come stay up in the mountains i'm and you're gonna basically go into a room and you're gonna face your demons and I was a, like... A shamanic initiation, basically. Basically, a shamanic <laughs> initiation. And and so for me, what I did was I took out up a notch. So I went and put alcohol in the room in a corner. And um, and I called it the dragon. Mm. And so I even made a little sign. And I was like, I put the alcohol in the corner. And I was like, dragon. I put a mattress in the room, a bucket, tissue. And I waited. I just waited. I stayed in the room. I went to kitchen. I would eat some really healthy food, some blue-green algaes, all these different things that he made me eat that mm. was like the Manchurian mushroom that wasn't, I didn't even know what it was. Now I, it's kombucha, but you know, at the time I was like, what is this thing sitting? He's like sitting in this jar, like looks like puke. <laughs> like something on Alien. Yeah, I was like, this is disgusting, you know? And then, but, you know, and I would go into the room and all of a sudden I would just wait and wait for the emotions to come up. And then it came up. Mm. I started feeling this dread, this boredom, this feeling of, of insecurity, this, this part of me that um, went through all the abuse and then the anger I felt. And I immediately, I heard in my head, this voice say, you need to go get a drink. Mm. And I was like, looking at the alcohol in the corner and it was this, and I had my sign was like, this is the dragon. And I was like, why, why, what, what do you want? 
What do you want? Why are you talking to me? And it's like, you need to drink. You need to drink now quickly. And I kept going, why? He goes, because you have to, you need a drink. I'm like, why do I need a drink? And it kept saying that until finally it told me. And I started, it basically said to me that I need a drink because I can't handle what was coming up. And I just started crying. And um, yeah, I started crying a lot. And I cried so hard. And I, I beat this mattress and I screamed at my dad. I cursed him out. I cursed out my stepmom. I cursed out my grandfather for trying to pull the family apart from our shamanic side and go into religion. I, I cursed at religion. I cursed at God. I cursed at everything. I cursed at myself. And I just screamed and screamed and screamed and yelled and yelled and yelled and kept looking at the alcohol. And the more I did, I didn't have that feeling. Mm. And um, a lot of tissue. I even, I, I mean, I yelled so much, I started throwing up in the bucket. I would grab my pillow and just like squeeze it and yell and just be like, Ugh! you know, and then I did that for a couple days. And then I didn't feel the need to drink. This is amazing. I mean, this is kind of, not everybody's going to have the opportunity to have an experience like that, right? Or the guide to help them have an experience like that. They can. They can. They can find it, right? If they want to do it. You, you, there's something in there and you, when that urge to drink was coming up and you were able to recognize the reason I'm drinking is to numb something I don't know how to handle. Yeah. I don't think I have the capacity to handle. You questioned, right? Why? Why do I need a drink? Why do I need a drink? Why is a drink the answer? And that's essentially what this, you know, you're saying, how can anyone, how can someone who feels they're locked in this cycle, whether it's to the level that they might find they're going to AA or not, it could just be someone who's kind of like in this cycle of monotony, which is kind of the drinking I was doing was like drinking a few nights during the week and then kind of a bit of a binge at the weekend, like not extreme amounts of alcohol at all. And yet my life was just so monotonous. I was just getting through the week to get to the weekend so that I could have some drinks and relax and feel some joy. And then starting over again, this cycle, and it was just like, oh, fuck, there must be more. But yeah, how can anyone who maybe finds themselves locked in this cycle is just, as soon as you, recognizing it is the first thing, recognizing that alcohol is keeping you locked there is the first thing. And then choosing to question literally every time there's an urge, an impulse, an invitation to drink, Anytime it's kind of expected that you drink, anytime you see a billboard advertising drink, like anytime alcohol enters your consciousness, question, do I need that? No. What would, be, what would happen if I didn't take that? Can I handle that? Yes. Can I handle that? No. Well, maybe I can find someone who can help me handle that, you know, and just really to bring that questioning mindset to any situation that includes alcohol, you know, and to also, I think, really realize that you are not the only one. I would say the majority of people are probably asking themselves the same questions privately inside. Mm -hmm. But like I shared, it's like the traditionally, if you've shown any kind of like um, issue with alcohol or dared to say, you know what, I think I'm drinking too much or maybe it's not affecting me good, then automatically it's like, well, you need to go to AA and you're an alcoholic and you're an alcoholic forever. And that's very, very difficult for someone to confront. That's very (laughs) challenging that that was your only option, you know, as you described. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I literally, when I see any, when I see alcohol at all, 
I see skull and bones. Hmm. You know, the poison symbol, yes. you know? Yeah. That's what That's I a see. great thing, right? Put that, in, put that in your head. Like, use that as a symbol. Anytime you see it, just put that in front of it. And then you can choose, do I want to have that or not? Do I want to have that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, the, and, and, and here's the, the, the funny thing is that, you know, I'll have friends who still try to test, you know, they'll be like, Turk, you know, just have a little sip, you know, mm-hmm. just have, just do a little bit, just like, why don't you just take a glass with us and toast and even some Japanese, um, I had these Japanese um clients come and uh my friend was like oh you know they like to drink it's a part of they're inviting you to this dinner and everyone's gonna drink and you should drink too because it's a it's a respect to them and i'm like i'll have a glass of water with a lemon i don't need to drink and if they say something or if they're uncomfortable about it Mm. oh well Mm, that's amazing We have so much fear about making other people uncomfortable. I love making people uncomfortable. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) 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 But it's good for people to get uncomfortable too. You can frame it that way. It's good for them to get uncomfortable because it may make them question, right? If If it makes me so uncomfortable that he's not drinking, what is that saying about the fact that I'm drinking? Oh, maybe I'm a little worried that if I drink, I'm going to start saying things that I don't really remember or that I don't really mean or that aren't really me. And someone's going to notice because they're like fully conscious. <laughs> yeah. So the first time I like, I, when I first started going into it, it was like, I called myself the odd man out, mm. you know, cause I would go and I was like, I gotta, I have to like emulate like when you're in a social situation, you want to emulate the people that you're with. So you want to like, kind of like match them and mm. everyone had something in their hand mm. and I didn't. And mm. so they would get kind of weirded out by it. So what I did was just grab a glass mm-hmm. and fill it with water mm-hmm. and, and hold that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people would come to me and be like, oh, is that vodka? And I'm like, no, it's water and lemon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And no need to lie. Because often people will give the advice like, what should I drink at a bar? I said, order something that looks like a gin and tonic and then you don't need to tell anyone and you won't have the questions and sure that is an option that's available but also if you're feeling brave and you're feeling like you actually want to confront have people come be a little confronted and you want to own your choice Mm. say yeah it's water and it's delicious yeah just go (laughs) for the brave and it makes me feel great yeah yeah i say go for the brave (laughs) go for the brave go for the brave because because the thing is like what I what I have found in like some of my friends because they I have a lot of friends who stopped drinking and stopped doing drugs and stopped smoking because of being around me mm. because they mm. see how happy I am all the time how I wake up in the morning I'm not like go grow up coming out of my bed like well I'm going back into the slave world you know <laughs> like I I get up I'm full of energy I'm playful I'm fun when people see me and they're like oh my god your energy is always so wonderful I always and, I, and when I talk about being lit and being on the lit train it's like my friends who are around me who used to drink all the time they're just like you know what i i think i'm gonna stop drinking and i'm like really i'm like yeah i go i think i got things wonderful and like one friend of mine was like you know getting ready to do an alcohol and i go can i just pose a uh, pose like a query for you and he's mm-hmm. like sure i'm all fast forward 24 hours from now if you drink that what ha- what's going on and he's all i'm having a massive hangover and I've got like, anxiety. Got anxiety. I'm upset. I go. I'm uh, eating bad food. Right. I can't. I'm tired. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how does that feel? He's like, it doesn't feel good. I go. Fast forward 24 hours. You don't drink. How do you feel? And he told me. He's like, wow. He's like, I don't really need this drink. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you really don't. That's a great one. And that is something they talk about in AA sometimes, like playing it forward. You know, like how are you gonna? But even 24 hours, yes. But even like if you're really honest with yourself. How are you going to feel in three hours time? How are you going to feel after one drink? 
How are you going to feel after two? How are you going to feel after three drinks? If you're really honest with yourself, you're going to be feeling kind of like a little like out of it, like maybe even already a bit headachey or nauseous, a little bit stumbly, like you don't really know where you are. Like really, yeah, like we have this, this tendency to remember the kind of like the high, ta-da, but the actual reality <laughs> when we really take the time to think about the reality of what it's like to be drunk. It doesn't mm. feel nice to be drunk. Not even. at all. <laughs> Not at all. I'm so glad. Like, I mean, I stopped drinking when I was 22 years old. Right. Wow. And now I'm 44 mm. and it's been amazing. So that's literally half your life ago. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too, which I, which I really, really, um, really, I mean, then this is just, you know, for everyone to, to, to look at. So, you know, I do a lot of like thinking um, how we can, you know, move ourselves out of uh, mental slavery or spiritual mm. slavery that the system would use to like to, to entrap us, right? And what I've realized is that because we have all these rules, like you got to pay your bills and you got to make put food in the refrigerator and you got to pay your, your insurance and you got to pay for your car if you have but a car. But also you got to have the latest iPhone and you got to have the design labels and you got to have all this as well. Well. Right, all of that. Mm -hmm. So all of that, right? I call all of that, right, is the accumulative. It's the it's the stress and the anxiety that it causes you because you feel like you have to, so you have no free will. So then you're like, ugh, everything is always telling me what I have to do. So you're like, uh, everything's telling me what I have to do and I have to do it, but I get to make a choice on this so I can get my power from this. So people go to the drinking as a source of power. Then, so, so the thing is, people don't even realize that they're getting, they're using their power source to be able to have a drink because they're like, look at what I get to I'm do. I'm rebelling. There's I'm rebel the when I drink this, the rules go out of the window. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yes, Because exactly. I feel free. It's a, it's a trap. It's, but it's an illusionary it's trap. An illusion. and, and the system sets it up perfectly because it's like the whole thing of like, no, darling, you're still a slave and we just enslaved you again. Even, even in, in your, your free time. It, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read the book 1984 by George Orwell? No. It's a classic. And a lot of people, it, last, it was that summer I read it when well, we were in Croatia, actually. Um, it's a classic and it's basically this dystopian kind of like novel that was written in the, fifth, in the 60s, I believe. Maybe, no, in the 30s, like right at the end of the Second World War. Sorry, the 40s. <laughs> Get your history right. Anyway, and it's predicting kind of the future. It's writing about 1984. And it's this very, it's kind of like spookily accurate. It has this kind of big brother type government that's got really rigid rules. There's constant war all over the world. People are kind of like literally enslaved in these very kind of menial, um, boring, uncreative jobs. And... All of them, all the time that they're not working, they're drinking this gin, this kind of like fake gin alcohol. And it's like the only pleasure that they're allowed to experience in their lives is from alcohol. And I just thought it was so interesting that, you know, lots of people have been looking at the political climate right now, comparing it going, oh my God, 1984, it's coming true. And I'm like, yeah, and with the alcohol piece, mm -hmm. and with the alcohol piece, you know? Yeah, exactly. And this whole, this whole idea that it's like the whole idea of, okay, so we're going to create a climate for humanity that is so uh, demonstrative, aggressive, you know, energy that's going to be going on all the time with war and political climate, all these things that are going on, buzzing of, of media, billboards in your face and all of these things, which are really affecting you because your synthesis is reading all of it. Okay. When your synthesis reads it, it sends a message back to your body and it sends a message of, Oh my God, 
all this data and information is coming in, overload, 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 overload. All of a sudden, you're like, I need something. I need something quickly. I need something to shut it down. I just need something to shut it down. Mm. And then, oh, I can have a glass of wine right now. Oh, I can have six glasses of wine. Oh, I can go have... Uh, you know, this whatever drink that people are drinking these days. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't I don't know what, know what, what they drink. <laughs> you know, but, it, but, you know, in my time, it was Midori Sours and things of this kind of nature. Mm. Uh, you know, but th- this is the, the, the consensus. And the idea is we're going to make it so, we're going to put you in a hot pressure cooker and turn up the heat so high until you're about to lose your mind. And then we're going to sell you alcohol. And we're going to give you this freedom that you are going to go to to get rid of that pressure cooker experience. Mm. And But the thing is, you're actually just back in a different type of pressure cooker because what we're doing is that we're making you codependent upon something to give you a sense of a vacation or freedom while all the time you're actually developing more anxiety more insecurity because I I watch some of my friends and I know they drink because they're insecure. Yeah, right. Because this is interesting. I talk about something in the book called the confidence paradox. How most of us at some point drink to feel more confident, to feel more kind of like at ease and like yeah, more powerful, more confident. And ultimately, it was it was only when I stopped drinking that I realized how confident I actually am naturally without alcohol. But you described, you know, it's almost like we have been taught to outsource our experience of freedom. And I think pleasure is another big one. I also write about the, the what I perceive many of us existing in this this kind of pleasure deficit we're not given opportunities to feel pleasure we're taught to feel shame yep. about wanting and desiring and needing to experience physical pleasure absolutely and alcohol is a way to we perceive that it gives us pleasure because actually it's just numbing some of the more painful or anxious or kind of like unpleasurable parts of life right it's mm-hmm. not actually giving us genuine pleasure no it's it's numbing those parts of of your life and making it safe for you to be honest. Mm, yes, because it shuts down a part of your brain. It shuts down the part of your brain that monitors what other people think of you. Uh-huh. So basically it makes you feel like you're not being judged. So you're free to say whatever you want. Whereas you could actually, as you illustrate so beautifully, always just say whatever the fuck you want. That's and who right. Cares? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and that's what I learned what it taught me being sober. What taught me being when, like for me, being sober meant being empowered. Mm. Because I can go out, talk about anything. I can jump up on tables in Spain and in Italy and smash glasses <laughs> and people are like, oh my God, how much did you drink? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not everyone's a triple Scorpio though, direct. So, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Some of us need to like get a little coaching on that. <laughs> it doesn't come so naturally. <laughs> well, the thing is, is, it should because being free is being spontaneous and being free yes. is not caring about what other people think yes. because you don't know what other people think. And yes. anyway, if other people are thinking, you have to understand what world they're in. So it, they may be thinking, and yeah, they may be thinking about you, but they're thinking about you from their perception of their world they're in. They're not in your world. So you, you, I'm in a world of love. Someone could be thinking something negative. They could be in hell mm. and looking at me from the perception of hell, but I'm in the perception of heaven. So I live heaven on earth inside of my being. Mm. So when people see me, I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you dad, you know, and I... <laughs> <laughs> and then people are like, "Wow, why are you so happy all the time?" And I'm like, 
life is beautiful. And, you know, and they're like, but how is it so beautiful? You've gone through so much pain. You are on dialysis. You were this, you were that. I'm like, and it is beautiful, my darlings, you know, and that's because the lens I choose to look from because of being sober Mm. gave me a greater viewpoint, a greater horizon of my life. Being sober opened up those nebulous corners of my brain and the dormant there is no longer there. So I'm able to access parts of my brain that I don't usually use Mm. and see different colors, feel different feelings, get different landscapes in my visual perception, different audio um, experiences for different sounds I can hear in different dimensions because I'm accessing the the, the data main uh, frame of my brain, which is basically a third finite, you know, conductor, right? I'm learning how to fine tune my conductor to be able to pick up on all these different frequencies where it was because I'm sober. Mm-hmm. The gift of being mm-hmm. sober is the gift of, 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 of awareness. Awareness, completely. I mean, if you think about some of the terminology that we use to describe being drunk, we call it being out of it. We call it being wasted. That's a big one, right? <laughs> that's, that's Why would so you funny. want to get wasted? It's like... <laughs> this is how I die. Because <laughs> I fall off the couch. <laughs> you call it being trashed. Right, trash. You're putting wasted, yourself in the trash. It's like all of those... What the, the Terminology that we use for it, so it's so negative. Ooh. Actually, when I think again, about it now, when you think about you it, it, when you step outside of the construct of it and you observe how we describe our experience of being drunk, they're not positive words. Maybe you say being lit, but I don't necessarily associate lit with drunkenness. No, I think lit no. is like just alive and awakened, it's, you know? It's, it's, it's aware, it's happy, yeah. it's feeling good. It's knowing that you can do anything, say anything, live anything. You can run down the street and say, I'm living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> and I also just want to say, like, I, I didn't have the kind of rock bottom experiences with, or, again, rock bottom, like that's one way to describe it. The... Um, the initiatory experiences that you did with alcohol, right? Getting to that point of like something really has to shift. I really enjoyed drinking and yet I still was able to recognize that it was causing me problems, right? So it's been kind of a period of learning and sort of almost like retraining my brain to reframe that experience as not pleasurable because I'm now bringing things into my life that bring me genuine pleasure. And it's things like having deep conversations with absolutely trusted friends or it's things like dancing completely sober even if it's just in my own apartment the pleasure I feel from that is like off the charts and I now compare the drinking experience to those kinds of experiences and it feels so like two-dimensional and so flat and so second rate that now if I do because I'm not 100% I don't describe myself as 100% sober I might have a sip of champagne at a friend's wedding but even like one sip of alcohol now it's like I'm so attuned or aware to its effect on my body if I can literally feel it's like a pressure like a heaviness just on my being I feel like I'm literally being pressed down we all know many of us know alcohol we know it as a depressant right we've Mm -hmm. heard that many times when we think about again what does that actually mean to depress something means literally to push it or pull it down into a lower position. And we that's the opposite of getting high. We think of mm-hmm. we think we're getting high when actually we're being pushed into a lower position. And it's really interesting now, like I said, the almost this physical feeling of being like pushed down when I even take a sip of alcohol. It's like, I don't want, I don't want more of that. I'm gonna have to work so hard to pull myself back up. <laughs> Yeah, And I think that's a big point as well. We expend so much energy on removing that toxin from our system 
the work that our body has to do, not just our body, but our spirit and our psyche has to do to actually remove the effects of the alcohol. Mm -hmm. That's energy we could be putting into all kinds of different things, you know, whether it's our relationships, our work, our self-care, our spiritual practice. Like, yeah, we, we, we need to keep, we need to cultivate and um, tend to and stoke our own inner power source. Um, and alcohol is just gonna, yeah, make that so much harder. Absolutely. You know, I have... My theory is, uh, well, what I would say is, you know, sober, sexy, or slime time. So, 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 <laughs> okay, so, so, sober, sexy is like you are sober, you're aware, your conversations are deep, they're real, they're meaningful, your connection is present. So, your, you know, your sensual, your sensuality is authentic, it's connected, you know, you're just, having a great time, you're full of energy, you're able to see the insecurities that you have so that way you know they're there and you can choose to break them in the moment. And so that I think is sexy. So sober sexy, here's slime time. Slime time <laughs> basically means like, you know, people who will like, you know, talk to you and they'll be drunk and they're like not really fully present with you, it feels like a smack in the face. It's mm. like, it's really yucky. Mm. And then like someone who like wants to hook up with you while they're drinking and like people who go and have sex while they're drinking are drunk and they have what is called drunk sex is slime time. <laughs> okay, it's, it's just like completely not even you having the sex. It's the spirits inside of you joyriding your body slime time it's the it's the energy of the fact that you're not even fully present with another human being slime time in that most intimate moment as well yeah i like the way you describe it slime it's almost like just slime just slides off that's, that's it doesn't why. actually connect that's it right. just slides that's right off it slime time <laughs> <laughs> it's just because oh. it's just a weird thing you're not connecting and connection is what builds it's what opens doors it's what it's what creates collaborations and innovations it's what brings minds together to be able to to share thoughts to share ideas and feelings that allow you to you know to to expand your your understanding of life and how you can bring new things or see things you've never seen before you know i have a conversation with this one guy and he's drunk i'm explaining to him about you know quantum physics and understanding the dynamics of of, of shan, a shamanic um, um integration he's asking me these questions i'm sharing with him some really powerful information that I know people like my friend, for instance, like Dave Asprey would get in a conversation with me and we go in these deep, deep soul talks about shamanism, the underworld, this and that and biohacking, spirit hacking and all this kind of stuff because we're like, we're in it and it, it's sexy. We get turned on by each other. You know, I can talk to you. I get turned on. We get lit. We get so excited like kids in a, a playground having fun because we're so excited about sharing all this information and data. But I'm talking to this guy who's like, yeah, he says it's interesting, but he's sliming me. Mm. <laughs> it's slime. I feel like... <laughs> I wish people could seek a vision of what you were just doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like slime time. You know, he's not even present. He's not there. He's, he's like, my energy that I'm sharing with him, which is sacred, is just being thrown in a trash can. Next day I talked to him, I was like, do you remember the conversation we had? No. Mm. What conversation? Mm. What were we talking about? That mm. makes me feel so devalued. Mm not mm. seen, not mm. appreciated, not acknowledged for the fact that I'm even taking two minutes of my time and to, energy, yeah. and to share with you. Mm. I don't need to share two. Two minutes with me is a big deal. Two minutes with you is a big deal. Mm. You think I want to spend two minutes with my time with someone who's belligerently drunk? 
I don't even, I just look at them and just, I just smile, give love because I can't do anything else. And I also just really want to say though, and this is very important, like a lot of people have really appreciated how non-judgmental my book is. And as much as we can say all these things about alcohol, I also just want to say to anybody listening, like if you drink, like, of course you do. Of course you do. You want all of the things that alcohol supposedly gives you so badly. Sorry, it just no, makes no, me no, really emotional. Okay. No, but it gets like, me emotional too, please. Like, of course you want to experience joy and pleasure and connection and transcendence and magic. Like, that's human. But there are so many other ways you can experience those things. Um, so this is to say, like, if, you're, if you do drink, um, there's nothing wrong with you. It doesn't make you a weak person. It makes you a human being who has been told that this is your option to experience those things. And now you get to choose whether you want to believe that or whether you want to experiment with some other ways to experience these things in your life, you know? I'm really not into shaming anyone for drinking. Um, and I just think that the more we can really be honest about our relationships to alcohol and to have com- open conversations like this, the more we can actually support each other to move beyond these addictions, to move beyond habitual drinking and to like connect with each other and find other ways to experience everything that we were ever looking for in alcohol. Yeah. It makes me sad. So I can feel you. I, I feel you, my love. You know, I'm also like, really jet lagged and like I've been staying in this Airbnb with like incredible noise pollution. Some of the best trying out. <laughs> 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 but I can be real with you. Of course, you all. That's what makes us friends. Exactly. I love this. I love this. Um, the, on and on in your book on page uh, one uh, fifty one, um, called getting high on my own supply. Mm. Share that with me. Mm. So this kind of taps into what I was just talking about very emotionally. It's like, I want to get high. I want to have elevated experiences. I want to transcend this like three-dimensional reality and go to magical places. Alcohol, I thought I was getting there. I thought that's what I was getting when I was using alcohol. Um, But so this is kind of how it links to my first book, Material Girl, Mystical World, which was really a story of my kind of personal and life transformation through embracing many of the practices that I write about on the numinous, whether it's shamanism, whether it's energy work, whether it's astrology and tarot and these mystical traditions. What I really experienced was um, engaging in many of those practices and bringing things like meditation into my life I was having these elevated, transcendent experiences and altered states of consciousness, which again, I think we all desire to have altered states of consciousness. We want to go to magical places. As you, in your meditations, you take people there, right? I realized I was having many of these experiences without having to experience, have the negative side effects from drinking alcohol. Plus the high that I was getting from alcohol, like I said, it just felt so kind of flat and like, Uh, one dimension. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whereas these other experiences were making me feel high in all kinds of different ways. So that chapter is really kind of unpacking many of the different ways that we can get high, that we can get lit without needing to take a substance. And it ranges from everything from dancing and meditation, but also things like learning and following our curiosity and also things like sex and like also things like music, but really choosing to engage in these things very consciously and to really be in the full experience of them as ways to get high. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can never have sex with someone who's intoxicated on anything. Mm. You're just on a different level. I can feel everything. I'm like, really, really, really your spirit is not present. Mm. Bye. Mm. I've like, got a friend who says that sober, she thinks sober sex is like tantric sex. 
because you're just so aware of not only the physical sensations, but also every emotional interaction, every like every connection, seen, unseen, like whatever dimension, you know, you're just really aware of all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I love um, that you wrote this book, my love, and I love that, I love that you write books. Period. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to write more, so that's great. <laughs> no, because you came out of you came out of the fashion world. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, I did. I mean, I pursued a career in fashion magazine journalism um, out of college, and you know, I I've always loved writing, and ultimately, I always wanted to write about social trends. So fashion was kind of a way into that because fashion actually is a real ref- can be a real reflection of what we're experiencing in the world. If you look at the catwalks now, there's like balaclavas and flat jackets and like all this kind of military gear. No surprise, right? We're all freaking out about what's going on in the world. <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> but anyway. I do, I do like the look though. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a cool look. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I, I wanted to, I, yeah, I always wanted to write and kind of like write stuff about what I saw perceived as the kind of trends that were happening in the world and why we do the things that we do. But I also was really, I think, drawn to that world because of my own deep inner lack of self-worth. I thought that attaching myself to a very glamorous kind of materialistic world and, and society would help to give me more confidence or make me feel more special or make me feel more worthy. And ultimately it was getting coming to the conclusion that actually there was something I needed to really heal deeper in myself to find my own inner sense of self-worth that led to me starting The Numinous, that then led to me writing my first book, that then led to this book. So Tell so, me about yeah. The Numinous. So The Numinous, yeah, like you described, it's an online magazine where I write about many new age things, but in the context of what I call the now age. I think that, we're, I call it, we're living in the now age, right? I, I can't stand the word new age, by the way. So I've updated it. Yeah. The new age was what the people in the 60s and 70s were using to describe the astrological age of Aquarius that we were transitioning into are following the age of Pisces, right? As a collective, we go through two and a half thousand year astrological cycles, So the age of Pisces was very much um, typified by organized religion, hierarchical structures, beliefs in kind of like God above and outside of us. Whereas age of Aquarius, which we've now transitioned into fully, takes about 100 years to do that transition. So from midway through the 20th century through to the- That's a whole lifetime. Yeah. So anyone who's been born in that middle of 20th century to middle of 21st century, like our generations, with the transition, we're literally- we are building a new world because we're 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 the ones who are kind of like bringing this astrological era into our kind of like physical realm. Um, so, Age of Aquarius is so much more about the toppling of hierarchies. It's about finding the wisdom and the guru within everybody being our own god, everybody being our own teacher. Um, the power of the collective is a very humanitarian era, and it's also typified by. Um, rapid advances in technology and communication and very new and radical ideas about how to live. So it's a really destabilizing time, you know? It's a real time of massive change. Um, And I think that many of the tools, the reason all these new age tools, the ancient human technologies, like I said, shamanism, astrology, like these ancient tools which ancient humans devised to help us kind of understand the world that we live in and who we are, are becoming more popular again in what I call the now age. Because if the new, if it was new in the 60s, it's now, right? The mm-hmm. new age is basically now. That's why mm-hmm. I call it the now age. But the reason these tools are so relevant now is that we need to be able to connect to our humanness 
in whatever ways that we can, because the world around us, our technology, the communication, it wants to turn us into machines. And we're trying to be human within that. And that's really challenging. <laughs> yeah. When did we come in? Because, you know, I was, I was sharing shamanism in the early 90s mm. and everyone thought I was crazy. Right. Like well, the people were like, I remember women were sneaking me in their back door of their homes when their husbands would, they'd wait for their husbands to leave before coming and sneaking and seeing me. And they're like, okay, I, like, no one can know that I'm seeing you shaman. Well, this is the thing. This is why I wanted to start the numinous because I knew there were so many people who needed this information and were fascinated and really curious about it and how helpful it could be to people to have access to these tools. I couldn't see like 10 years ago, nine years ago when I first had the idea for it, any places that were presenting it in a way that made it seem aspirational and cool and kind of okay and like almost glamorous and chic to be involved in these things or to want these things. So that was my idea for the Numinous, ultimately to make these tools more accessible, to help people find better peace of mind, better well-being, to feel more connected. And so, like I said, to ways to feel kind of grounded and human in these times of very rapid and really destabilizing change that we're living in. It's a really weird time to be a human being. It, with the way that technology is like advanced over the past 50 years, like our brains are scrambling to try and keep up with that shit. And we need to give ourselves so much kindness and self-care and like connection, like in human connection yes. to kind of just make sense of it all, all the yeah. time. <laughs> I say, let's have cuddle puddles. It's totally. And I think that's why podcasts are so great and why they've become so popular because it's like a way for human beings to connect with other humans and feel like we're not alone in this, in these crazy times, you know? Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, and, you know, um, if you, I'm, I'm just wondering, um, you have a, another thing that you do, uh, with like a sober event? Is that, yeah, is that so right? Yeah, so I have a sober, sober curious event series that I run with Biet Simkin, who you know well. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Club Soda NYC. Um, about three years ago, from my own sober curious path, I realized that, I needed somewhere to talk openly about this and I wanted to have a community to kind of like do all these questions, sober curious questions with. And outside of AA, there really weren't those spaces. And I wanted to create a space where people who didn't, weren't necessarily addicts or didn't necessarily even have like problem drinking could come and just be open about wanting to experience or experiment with a sober life. And so our events, they were both super busy. Like I've been joking, we haven't done an event since September because I had a book and Biet had a baby. So yeah, yeah, she had a baby, <laughs> so you planning, had a book. I love it. We're planning our next one probably for some time in, in late March. But I'm also doing an event with you here in LA. Yes, you are. Next Saturday, depending yes. when this goes out. But Yes, that's right. You no, know, I've always wanted to make it to your um, your sober event. Every time I'm in New York, but then I, I miss it by like a couple days. It's I know. like, I'm like, it's oh, crazy. I have to get on an airplane. I'm missing the event. <laughs> so yeah, I, but if you're in New York and uh, you want to be a part of a community mm. of people who are really about awareness and then realizing that they don't need alcohol in order to, sh to talk, to share, to open, to be free, to love, to to touch, to hug, to connect, and to explore, um, please get in touch with Ruby and, um, and Biet and that. And I think, how can they do that? Well, there's a Club Soda NYC Facebook group that's kind of bubbling and growing and becoming more of a community. So that's, and it's, there's also a Club Soda in the UK, which is a different organization, slightly different kind of angle, but we're Club Soda NYC. Look, I'm obviously on Instagram <laughs> at Ruby Warrington and the underscore numinous. Um, and the website, my website is the hyphen numinous.com. 
and I have a great newsletter that goes out every Thursday with all the info about all the events that are coming, whether they're numinous events or sober curious events um, and other lots of lots of cool stuff about astrology for people who are into astrology. Yeah I, yeah, I love all your stuff about that. And so how can people get your two books? Your, so your, your first book that you did, um, can you tell people about your first book and this book and how can they get, because I think they should have both. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have had both. Yeah, but cool. Until my, until Someone my friend took one. It. Okay. So um, I'll send you another one. Thank you. <laughs> um, the first book is called Material Girl, Mr. Cool World. The new book is called Sober Curious. They're both on Amazon. If we want to keep supporting Amazon, or you could go to IndieBound. It's actually a really cool website that supports independent booksellers. Um, so IndieBound, you can probably find them both as well. Um, Oh. Yeah, and there's audiobooks. I, I recorded the audiobook for both of them. You did? So if you want to have me reading the book to you, that's an, uh, that's an option also. I actually really enjoyed doing that, yeah. I want to know more about that because when my book comes out, everyone's like, you need to do it as an audiobook. And I'm like, oh. yeah, oh. It, you will. You will. It's, it, I think, yeah, audiobooks sell huge amounts. So yeah, do the audiobook. It'll be great to okay. hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> and with that note thank you so much for being with us in today's share thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it absolutely all right tribe well you know like i said sober sexy or slime time which one do you want it's up to you but also remember this too that on this journey, if you are drinking, I'm not saying you have to like cut cold turkey, but just start the process of just making little micro jumps of mindfulness, right? Micro jumps of mindfulness means that you don't have to like just stop, but just be mindful of what you're doing. And then, at, and sometimes you don't have to do it. And then just kind of move in that direction. And the more you make those micro jumps before you know it, you probably won't be drinking anymore because you're going to see that your body is better off with no poison and being free to be able to feel all of this that we get to feel in this human experience. And, you know, and don't beat up on yourself. Make this journey fun and playful. If you do drink and you end up having that thing where you black out or whatever it may be, laugh about it and just give yourself a hug. Go get a massage. Go nurture yourself. Go pamper yourself in some beautiful way and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. I understand I'm here for you. And everything is moving in the direction where one day this is not going to be a part of our life anymore. And just honor that, you know, or you can even just say, you know, I, I love how amazing it is that I've been releasing myself from all of these, these chains and bounds that I've been held on to by the, by the matrix that have been keeping me in drinking and, and substances and so forth. And I want to be a, 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 free, a free bird. I want to be a free aware bird. And I think that's the best thing that we can do. But be gentle with yourself in the process. Make it fun. Love yourself in the journey. Remember that. Love yourself in the journey because there really is a beauty in the breakdown, okay? So if you're not following me on Instagram, please do so. And remember, it's all about to invite to ignite tribe. Invite to ignite is share with your family members, share with your friends, invite them in the tribe. Let's keep them alive. Let's keep them in Thrive and let's lift them and shift them to higher possibilities. And you have the ability to do so just by sharing Ancient Wisdom Today podcast with the ones you love. Sign up on my newsletter if you want to level up your powers and you can do that at shamanduric.com. And until next time, Time and make sure you get Ruby's books because I'm telling you, it's, it's definitely something you want on your shelf. Until next time, I love you. See you later, alligators. <laughs>